You're listening to Salon Frequency, a podcast for salon professionals that are revolutionizing the texture of salon culture. Hello again. If you're part of the vibe, I am welcoming you back for another episode. So grateful for your support. And just a fun fact while you're here, to date, the podcast has been downloaded over 3,000 times. Like, that is blowing my mind. And so in the spirit of manifesting, you know, asking for what you want, I'm excited to hit half a million downloads this year. Yes, in 2022. So if this is your first time joining Salon Frequency, I want to welcome you to this audio experience. My name is Jocelyn Renee, and as your host on this journey, it is my mission to encourage your growth behind and beyond the chair in this ever-changing beauty industry. One of the areas that I know many of us, including myself, can use some support in and or, you know, grow into is with financial literacy and wellness, specifically accounting and taxes. So I'm really excited to have with me today, Brianna of Clear Vision Accounting Solutions, also known as the Beauty Biz CFO. It's so refreshing to have Brianna here because she is truly redefining what accountants look like and how it feels to seek help with finances. And for that, I am so appreciative. Her energy is so genuine and personable, which really feels like you're just talking to a good sister friend while also leveling up. Truly how getting in your bag, i.e. building wealth, for those of you that don't talk the TikTok lingo that we have going on these days, it's really how getting in your bag should feel, right? In her bio and on paper, Brianna has over 10 years of experience in accounting, taxation, and auditing. She has found a passion for helping business owners streamline their finances and pay the least amount of money in taxes. With her close attention to detail and impeccable communication skills, she is able to break down complicated financials and turn them into bite-sized, digestible data for her clients to comprehend. Her passion for education has allowed her to be able to deliver clear, and concise information to business owners on a monthly basis in order for them to understand where they are and how to get where they desire to be. It is her mission to help business owners to obtain the life they deserve. So without further ado, let's get into this episode. Welcome to Salon Frequency, Brianna. Thank you so much. I know that, or at least when I discovered you uh, through Instagram or through social media, you were speaking to cosmetologists and you were approaching the topic of finances and taxes from the perspective of the cosmetology industry because you were in it. Could you share with us like your background as it relates to hair and how you managed to go from hair to this complicated space of financial wellness? Sure. I um, I actually, um, when I was in high school, my last two years, they had a program called New Horizons Regional Education Center. Well, that was the, it was a cosmetology program somehow linked to the city um, and state where I lived. So um, if you were kind of like, uh, if you got, took your maths and your sciences kind of early, you had this time to actually have a half a day in high school and you get to uh, choose a trade program. So I actually chose cosmetology. So I completed um, my hours and my experience while I was in high school and a week before I graduated from high school, I actually received my cosmetology license. So that's where it all started. Um, While I was in high school, um, I worked at Supercuts. That was my first place. Um, I'm definitely grateful for Supercuts because that was the foundation of my cosmetology career, I would say. Um, That was great. Then I moved on to like sport clips and great clips. I did that through college while I went to school for accounting and finance. And after college, I moved to California, just seeing what life was like. My dad is retired military and I did hair there. And until I um, 
received my first um, full-time experience working at a credit union. Shout out to cosmetology programs in high school and being able to have a trade and being able to get money as soon as you enter into like adulthood. So I'm, I'm happy that you had that experience. Did you notice like pain points with spending money or just the people around you having issues with just managing money? Because they were, I feel like in the cosmetology world, you get money so fast. So you're able to see money so fast. Did you notice or did you have an experience where you were like, what do I do with this? How do I manage it? Like, how do, how do taxes work in this space? Did you see a, like a, a blockage there? I did. Um, the main thing that I saw, and I had a lot of colleagues that branched off and started, you know, their own salons. So one of their biggest concerns was, I wouldn't say concerns, let me take that back. One of their biggest comments was, I'm not going to report all my money because then I'm going to have to pay taxes. That was the that was like the number one thing. It was this fear of actually reporting everything that you received because you were scared you're going to have to pay over half of it back. And then the second thing was to actually, um, the question was, how do I really know how much I made? So even with a lot of my clients, um, I have bookkeeping and um, tax clients that are in the cosmetology industry. And the first thing that I do when I sit down with them is say, how do you receive your money? And it's usually, you know, uh, maybe if you're using like Southseed or Regal, some type of booking, booking site, of course, you're going to take cash if your clients say cash. A lot of people also use like Square or Zelle. So it's usually like two to three different options. And when you have money coming from those different avenues, if you're not doing proper bookkeeping, it's so easy to let money fall through the, through the crack. And so it's important to know how much money you made because as you go into the next year, right? So for 2021, you want to do better than you did in 2020. But how can you possibly do better if you don't even know what you did? So I think managing the money, actually knowing how much comes in and how much goes out and this type of myth around having to pay all the money out to Uncle Sam is, are the two biggest things that, you know, I really want people in the cosmetology industry to get more education on. I love that you brought that up because trying to report everything, like how do we make it so that, like you said, you get the, you have to pay the least amount of money in taxes. Like what is the happy medium between receiving the income and reporting the income so that you have to pay the least amount of taxes? Being organized. Like to, to be quite honest, it is so simple. It's so simple that people miss it. And then they say like, is that all I have to do? But then they don't do it. So again, really knowing how much money you receive. If you receive cash, put it in the envelope and take it to the bank. Like take maybe every Wednesday or every Tuesday and Friday, you go to the bank. Because a lot of times, you know, you may say, okay, I received even tip money, even if it's in cash, anything that's in cash, get a dedicated envelope and take it to the bank. Because if not, before you get to the bank, you say, you know what, I might need to stop by, you know, Cosmo Pro or Salon Centric. I'm going to grab, you know, some rubber bands, some gels, some clips. And then next thing you know, you're taking that money out. And now that expense goes away because now it doesn't really exist because it never hit any type of bank account. Pause. Let's talk about bank accounts really quick. You got to have a separate business bank account. OK, if you don't, you are hustling backwards and all you're really focusing on is having a side business. Like we really need to realize that. It, the mentality, this, this side hustle mentality is really killing a lot of people. And I say that because if you have everything going to one account, everything coming in, everything going out, how do you even know what you profited, right? Not what you grossed. So you can say I made $100,000 this year, but how much did you put out? Did you really only pocket 50? And if you have that separate bank account, of course, you know, the IRS wants you to have that uh, second bank account, that business bank account, so that you don't commingle your funds is what they call it. But also, if you have everything coming in, hit that bank account and everything go out, hit that bank account, then you won't miss anything. So I think that that's the number one thing that the most simple 
thing that anybody can do is get your get your LLC. Number two, go ahead on irs.gov. Once you get that articles of organization back, go on irs.gov and get your EIN. It's completely free. It takes three minutes to do. And then you're going to use that articles of organization and that EIN to open up that business bank account. A lot of people ask, um, what are some, who should I bank with? Go with whatever has the best benefits for you. If you want free, then go see who has a free account. Most of the times credit unions tend to have, um, you know, uh, accounts with no fees. Some banks do, very little banks do. They make you have like a minimum um, amount to keep in there, but go with something that's free. It's not hard. You can literally Google and find something in 10 minutes and then go ahead and set up a QuickBooks. So go ahead and get a QuickBooks account. What happened is you're gonna link your QuickBooks account to your business bank account. So every time something goes out or every time something comes in, it's gonna give you a register. Everything's gonna report. On top of that, after you get QuickBooks, go ahead and get some education. There's so many things online, YouTube, um, even QuickBooks has different videos to educate you to let you know what you should do. You can literally call QuickBooks and ask questions. How do I categorize this? What should I do first? If you want one-on-one -on -one attention, then of course, there's always somebody out there that can help you. Um, but you wanna be able to categorize your transaction. So for instance, you wanna be able to look at a financial statement and say, hey, let's say if you are, um, you're a loctician. So you wanna be able to look at your financial statements and say, hey, how much did I make in starter locks? How much did I make in um, retwists? How much did I make in... I don't know, uh, retwist and style. How much did I make in uh, detox, uh, retwist, and uh, curls? So you kind of want to know what you're doing so you know what to focus on, what makes you money. You want to focus on that. Let me ask you a question with that because do you believe that your QuickBooks should be telling you that kind of data or should your... Uh, booking software be telling you telling you that kind of data, or should they be in both of them? You know, like how granular do you have to have the QuickBooks? Because I I thought it was more so like they're telling you um, you're overspending in rent or you're um, paying too much in fees. Like those are the kind of things that accounting tells you, and like your your booking software tells you more so like the services are making money. So do you think they should mirror like to that detail? It just depends on what you like. So for instance, um, one of my clients, she she does sister locks. She likes for QuickBooks, even though she has Vagaro, and Vagaro will tell her how much she made per service after we run a report, but she also likes to see that. So within QuickBooks, and this is the reason why I say get education behind QuickBooks. So what you can't see is what they call a chart of accounts, right? So for instance, let's say you have... Um, you have a transaction for Amazon, Sally's, and Target. It's going to, QuickBooks is going to automatically say, this is insurance. This is, and it's not always right, right? So the chart of accounts puts that um, transaction to a category. But you have to alter your chart of accounts to what you need for your business. So for my um, loctician um, client, who um, she likes to see things more at a granular level. So we break things down um, to the types of service, including tips. So for instance, if somebody pays her $800 for a sister locks establishment, so I can go in QuickBooks and I can separate it. So I can say um, $50 was for a tip, um, you know, and the rest in 750 was for the sister locks establishment. So that you can actually see how much you made in tips. Vagaro does that, but her, she likes to see everything all at once. And to be quite honest, that has helped me because when it comes to tax time, I can just look at one thing. And you want to break things down. You made a good point as to what you're overspending in. Um, QuickBooks won't tell you that you're overspending, but they would just tell you what you're spending your money on. So for instance, um, like I said, uh, Sally's, right? Salon-centric, uh, Cosmopro. I would actually put in her chart of accounts, 
Sally, Cosmopro, salon centric, because I don't want to just say supplies. Because when, when we meet every month, I want to say, hey, what you been doing at Cosmopro? You've been doing a lot, a lot at Cosmopro this month. You know, our goal is for you to increase by 15% over the next three months. Let's go ahead and cut the spending. Is your spending really correlating to the increase in revenue that you're looking for? So if you're spending more, are you making more? Is it really benefiting you? So QuickBooks, you don't have to be as granular. Um, you could just say income. That can be a thing. Whatever comes in from Style Seed, Square, PayPal, however you receive um, you, you know, your um, point of sale transactions, however your clients pay you. You can just say it's income if you want. But when you start working with an accountant, they will break it down a little bit more because if you have goals, they want to actually talk to you and say, what's working? Maybe you should focus more on this. So you can alter that chart of accounts on the back end to whatever you want, whatever you feel that you want to see. I'm really growing to realize that an accountant, as much as of a, as much of a dirty word that was, was like, oh, somebody's in my business, somebody all up in my pocket. It's really like accountability, you know, like accounting is accountability for like your financial goals, where you're trying to be. Are you spending like strategically so that you are benefiting and having that person, you know, have a clear understanding, a clear vision of your accounting, you know, it makes, it makes a huge difference. Um, let me ask you, do you believe as an accountant that receiving payments from all the different places, like you can cash at me, you could square me, you could PayPal me, like, is that detrimental to a salon business? Like, should it be one type of like payment? Um, I would say, you have to really ask yourself as a business owner, what can you honestly handle? So for instance, for one, I would never recommend Cash App. Um, coming from a, you know, a, um, a background in a financial institution being an auditor, there is a lot of fraud and a lot of things that are going on with Cash App. So I honestly would stay away from Cash App. Cash App is not... Cash App is not really a, a business platform. It's really just for you to send money to your friends and family. You're trying to split split a split a trip or whatever. Hey, I'm a Cash App you real quick. That's what Cash App is really for, an individual basis. Cash App is not for business. There's been a lot of chargebacks when it comes to Cash App because for some reason, um, like say if I came to you and I paid you 150, well, I can just go in Cash App and say and ask for a refund. But Cash App is not a bank. They're not going to necessarily investigate it as much as a bank would or as much as PayPal would. And a lot of times, a lot of stylists have been missing out on money because it'll give it back. So, yeah, it's, it, it gets real deep with Cash App. I would definitely stay away from Cash App. Um, I would prefer no more than two methods of having your clients pay you um, because once you get into these different methods, it kind of gets a little bit confusing if you're doing everything on your own. But the main thing is to make sure everything hits your business account and not your personal. So that's the number one thing. And cash, take the cash to the bank. Don't spend it. Don't spend it on lunch. <laughs> I love that you, you're bringing up cash um, because when you think about cash, uh, one uh, tip that I received, I don't know where I was like scrolling on my phone somewhere, but someone was saying as a, um, a service-based industry or industry that receives cash, one of the best things you can do is deposit it into the bank because let's say you want to buy a house or something and you've been holding on to all your cash and you're like, oh, but I make $150,000, but you have 50,000 of that money at home you're not going to get approved for $150,000 like income level. You're only going to get that maybe 100,000, you know, whatever take away your expenses. You know what you see what I'm saying? Like it takes away from I guess your earning or spending potential. Is that true? Yeah, so the the biggest thing with cash is that it can disappear. That's the biggest thing. So if you are going to be receiving cash, you have to actually be disciplined. And take it to the bank. You can receive cash. 
But 98% of the people that I talk to that receive cash, they end up, they may take it to the bank, but, you know, they may stop and get for gas and then spend, you know, $30 here, then stop somewhere else. Oh, I need this. I'm just going to take it out of this funds anyway. It's like, no, you need to take all of that money and put it into the bank, into that business bank account so they can actually show. And then remember, you're going to have your QuickBooks link. So you can actually report that as, you know, your sales income, your product income for it to actually be on QuickBooks. So a lot of times we apply for loans. Of course, they're going to ask for like the last two years W-2s. Um, uh, sorry, not W-2, the tax returns, your 1040. But they are also going to ask for, because you are an entrepreneur, you don't have a pay stub. So a lot of times they will ask for a profit and loss statement. They'll ask for some type of financial statement. I've been having a lot of people, even for apartments, I had somebody contact me two days ago. They were trying to get an apartment and they needed the last quarter, um, the, the last two quarters profit and loss statement, but they weren't doing bookkeeping. So I can't necessarily, you know, provide them that. But again, you get into these situations and you figure out like, man, I should have did this. So yeah, that is very important. Cash is, cash can be a little tricky. I would, I honestly would stay away from it, but yeah, yeah, you have to be responsible. And also I feel like most people nowadays are just like, they're so used to just swiping their card. Like, even if you do receive cash, they're like, I don't feel like going to get the bank or going to the money to get the bank, going to the bank to get the money. So I'm just going to swipe my card. When you, you spoke about auditing, like, have you had clientele that's been audited or have you audited a service-based business, cosmetology business? And like, if you have, what were the biggest takeaways from that experience? Um, I have had clients that were audited. Actually, cash-based businesses are the most audited type of businesses. So because the IRS knows that one, they're either, they're either not reporting everything or maybe um, or a lot of people overstate their expenses. So if you overstate your expenses, let's say your expenses really was $5,000 for the year, but you use some of that in cash. If the IRS sends you a letter in the mail and you have to prove, what do you have to prove if you never kept the receipts? You know, that's a good thing about QuickBooks too. Actually take a picture of your receipt. You literally open up the app. There's a, a green plus. You click it, press take receipt right on the top what you used it for, and it stores it. And you can throw the receipt away. So um, when it comes to um, being audited, that's the proof. They call it burden of proof. You always want to have burden of proof to be able to tell someone what you brought in and what you sent out. When I was auditing, my my the most important thing is first you just kind of sit back and you see what they're doing. How do you run your business? And then you're able to make recommendations based on how they run their business. So every business is different. So every recommendation would be different. You can't compare one business to the other. You can know what, what the industry is doing, but it has to be catered to that particular business. But that's a small segment of actually what I offer um, with, I have different packages for bookkeeping, but for my top package, that's actually what I offer. So we basically sit down and we look at what I call all your internal controls. <laughs> so basically everything that you're doing, and I always ask questions, why, how, and sometimes you say like, well, I don't know why, and I don't know how this works. And so then you kind of get on a more granular level to help them make their business more efficient. Um, I know another component of your business is insurance. Yeah. So, um, so when I talk to a business owner, right, I kind of just, my first question is, okay, so what's going on? And you just let them talk, right? So the key is to ask an open-ended question because they will tell you every single thing. And so from then I can see what exactly do they need, right? So a lot of the times I find that a lot of stylists, they don't have life insurance and one of the most um, beneficial things that I've learned for, uh, for anybody, it's not just for stylists, but it really should be catered to stylists because there's an insurance policy called an index universal life policy. And most people never heard of it. An index universal life policy has three components, right? So it has a component to help you um, now in the event something happened to you now. 
There's a component to help you in the future. So it helps you save in the future. And there's a component to help you when you expire, right? So a lot of people think of life insurance policies as like, mm, it's, it's not gonna work until I die. That's, that's the mentality when it comes to life insurance, but that index universal life will help you and help your family. So when I say it can help you now, is it, it has a rider on it. And what that rider helps you is in the event that um, you can't work. So you can't, let's say if you can't feed yourself, let's say you get in a really bad car accident and you can't work, you can't uh, feed yourself. There's some stipulations in it if you can't do like, two of the three or two of the four things that's on their list, then that policy will actually provide income for you while you're down. Or um, let's say you're still alive. Let's say you're getting older and you need to go into some type of retirement home. It'll help for that as well. If you can't live on your own and need assistance, it helps for that. I've seen so many times where people have parents and they don't know what to do. They're stuck because their parents are older, they still have to work and they can't really assist them like they really need to while providing for their family. But while I say this is really should be catered for um, what stylists should really consider it is because actually one of our best friends, she got a really bad car accident and she was out for about six months and she couldn't help her clients anymore. So what do you do? Did you really save for six months worth of expenses? You, you probably have but most people don't so while she was not getting um income from serving her clients i mean she luckily she's very frugal so she was okay she was able to sustain but most people can't let's say if you have two kids i mean that's a lot what if you are the sole provider so in that event that index universal life policy can help you out with that it helps you save for the future because there's an aspect in it um, that's linked to, it's not the stock market. It's another type of market that mirrors the stock market. But the awesome thing about that is everybody's really wanting to invest in the stock market. But with this insurance policy is there's a floor. So when the pandemic hit and everybody's 401ks and all these types of things tanked, that policy, it was a floor. So they couldn't go below a certain amount. So um, that's a good saving aspect. And then, of course, there is a whole life policy attached to it. So it doesn't expire. It doesn't expire in 10 years, 30 years, 20 years. It, um, of course, it helps pay your family out in the event that you pass away. So I would definitely recommend an index universal life policy. I don't do insurance, but I have friends who do, and they're awesome. So let me know if you need any help navigating that, getting more information. That's a great tip. And another thing that came to mind um, as we're talking about stylists and like taxes is like, um, what do you call that stuff? Like Medicaid paying into like your future and like, um, was it self? Social security. For a stylist paying into social security, how do you approach that? Or do you find that stylists just don't do that? Well, so in a sense, they do it. Um, when you file your taxes, depending on your entity, so if you are a sole proprietor or a single member LLC, you actually pay self-employment tax. So you are still paying into that. Um, however, and this is a whole nother two-hour conversation, so I'm going to try to keep it short. Um, if you are a single member LLC and you are really bringing in some income, so let's say you're netting, so not with your profit, so your, your profit minus your expenses and you're actually um netting let's say about that 50 to 60 thousand dollars you shouldn't even be you should actually be a s corp right so s corps actually don't pay the same type of taxes and they have more tax advantages than an um, llc or a sole proprietor but anyway i say that because when you're s corp you have the option of not paying that that um self-employment tax However, you have to really ask yourself. Now, you people have different opinions about Social Security. My personal opinion is I'm not necessarily worried about paying into Social Security because when that time comes for me, I'm young. When that time comes to me, is it going to even be there for me? What I'm finding is, especially in this pandemic, I mean, the industry has changed so much since I first entered it in 2009. It has really changed so much. And even 
though, you know, the, the business owners in the cosmetology industry were um, shut down for some time, people have pivoted. I mean, I talked to one person that made during the pandemic, maybe from like March to October, she had made $200,000 for an online course. So people are really still, I know you did a, um, a segment on that, you know, pivoting, learning, you know, when to pivot and things, but man, I mean, the industry has really changed. People are open. People want to learn. They want to be serviced by you, but they want to learn from you as well. So um, even by that pivoting, um, she was able to make, you know, a lot more money than she would if she was just still in the salon. But um, for her, because she made so much money, she would pay more money in taxes by being an LLC. So I had to talk to her, you know, about that, how that really works and what's beneficial to her. But if you really think about it, let's say if you are bringing in two, $300,000 a year, are you really thinking about social security? Are you going to be using social security? You're not. You know, I think the biggest thing is because, you know, the state of our, you know, government is, especially when you're an entrepreneur, like if you're going to do it, go hard, like really seek the help to learn how to add multiple strings onto your business, right? Really think beyond the chair. What is your exit strategy? How can you make more money in five years by not doing what you currently do, right? So you want to actually be the CEO of your business. So if you decide not to work, your business still runs. If you want to go on vacation for 20 months, you still make money. That is the biggest thing that I feel um, when I talk to a lot of stylists, they don't necessarily have that mindset yet. And especially having a niche, right? I love locticians because they have a niche. That's all they do, right? I will, most, most of them that I talk to, that's all they do is locks. Some people only do sister locks, right? So you want to position yourself to be an expert. And that kind of what puts you in a different type of income level what I'm finding with a lot of my clients is because they just focus on one thing. So people know them for that one thing and they go to them for that one thing. So that really boosts your income level so much versus when you first start getting in the industry, you're just kind of like, okay, maybe I'll do some braids. Maybe I'll do some butterfly locks. Maybe I'll do some locks. And there's nothing wrong with that. But I feel that the people who do that, the business owners who do that hit a plateau. They do. They can't exceed the ceiling that they created for themselves. And they kind of, you know, I really don't see them going too much past that $100,000 mark. But when I tell you every single person that has only done, um, who was she? Only done knotless braids or only done sister locks or only done locticians. I mean, I'm talking like 200 to 450K and only been in business for like three to four years. If that, some of them only been in business for one. So I wouldn't too much worry about social security because you're going to be on your grind. You're going to seek help. You're going to know how to make it happen and you're not going to need it. So yes, but remember Brianna's first point, get organized, doing all this, making all this money, getting all these multiple streams of income. It can kick it in the butt if you're not organized and don't have your accounting together. That is what we are striving to get you to understand. You gotta get organized if you wanna be grinding, doing all these things. Um, Brianna, I wanna ask you about um, retailing. You know, for the people or for the stylists that do just wanna stay in the salon, um, one additional stream of income could be retailing. From an accounting standpoint, does that add a layer of complexity that would require or warrant having an accountant there to support bookkeeping? Definitely. Um, A lot of clients that I help who have retail, for one, every state has different requirements. Or even, for instance, I'm in North Carolina, there are state requirements, and then there might even be county requirements. So depending on where you live, not every state requires this, but you need to actually tell your state or your county hey, I'm selling retail. There's a license that you have to actually get. And then on top of that, you need to see what is the sales tax rate for where you live. You have to actually collect that from your client. So if your product is $20 and that sales tax equate to whatever percentage, it ends up being like 
$7, all right? So product 20, sales tax is seven. You actually charge your client $27, but that $7 extra that you receive, you're actually supposed to get that back to the state. So there's a lot of things when it comes to retail um, that a lot of stylists don't know about. And I don't know why, like for instance, I offer a free 15 minute consultation and it's very efficient. So again, I say, hey, what's up? What's going on? Let's talk. And they just spill it. And I just let them spill it for like a good seven minutes. And then I just, boom, I just let out, I just vomit everything that they need to be implementing right then and right there. And then we'll determine like, hey, if you're going to do it on your own, this is what you need to start with. And then two, if you seek help, this is what I can do for you. So really um, seeking help at all levels. I mean, even if you, let's say you already started, a lot of people, they start and they end up doing things backwards. So they start and they don't have a business license. Okay, cool. Guess what? You can still get right. You know what I'm saying? So seek help at any level. So if you're thinking about um, selling retail, if you're already selling retail, and you don't know what your state requirements are, or if you just need another opinion, it's a lot of people out there that can help you. They have free consultations or, you know, depending on the level of um, help that you need, if you want them to do the legwork for you, you may have to pay a small fee, but always remember anything you pay out to help you with your business to grow, to make more money is tax deductible. So getting an accountant, seeking a business coach, whatever you have is a tax write-off. And that is one way that you can pay less money in taxes is what she's trying to say to you. So get the help because it will help you to keep more money in your pocket and invest. You're investing in yourself. So when we decided to schedule this interview, I asked you, what was your favorite affirmation? And you mentioned that it is, I am love. I'm light. I am a world changer. I love that. How does that show up for you in your business and, you know, your everyday life? I feel like it keeps me going. So I also have a business coach. I have a business mentor. She tells me how my business needs to be structured. She gives me motivation, any type of anything with my business. She helps me with. Right. She does. She has already done what I wanted to do or what I want to do. Right. So that's why I chose her. But her biggest thing was you have to keep yourself motivated. You have to keep going. You have to speak what you want. So that is actually, um, I have a list of like affirmations personally, professionally, and for my children, well, my one child right now, and for my husband, for my marriage. I have like a whole bunch of different affirmations, but that is the last line in each affirmation. So I really do want to make a difference, but by making a difference, you have to add value to someone. Right. You don't want to just seem like you're taking, taking, taking. So I want people to see me as light. I want them to see me as showing them a path, helping them navigate their business. I am love. I love I love the word love anyway when I say I am love because I believe in creating um, like healthy relationships. So, for instance, for my clients, this is how we talk when we have our monthly Zooms. It's like, hey, girl, what's going on? That's we're going to get into this. Um, you know, we're going to be. Next five minutes, we could chop it up, but then we're going to get right into it, you know? So I want them, I don't want them to feel like I'm just stiff accountant. I want them to actually feel like I care about them and I want to see them grow. And I'm a world changer is because I honestly believe that I will be an industry leader and not just in the U.S. So I'm just going to keep saying it until it comes to fruition. Sis, I can already feel it, okay? Because you are transforming the way that accounting and really financial wellness, how it looks and how it feels. Because for our industry, or at least for myself, an accountant is, like you said, a very stiff, like shaking a finger at you, you ain't doing it right type of person. You're like, (laughs) grace. You know what I mean? It's love. It's like, okay, I can do this. I feel encouraged by the things that you're saying. And you are speaking positivity, speaking light over my business and over the industry. So yeah, you're definitely moving in your lane. (laughs) I'm glad that you said that. So I appreciate that. But sometimes, you know, you can get in your own head from your day to day. You have good days, you have bad days. You have some days where you can't necessarily see your impact, but other people feel it because you always want to do more. You always want to elevate. But um, I want to add a really quick, a really quick note. 
right? So when you, when you talked about, and, and I'm adding this note because um, actually it's around in about a couple of hours, I'm actually going to talk to my, um, one of my clients about it. So it just came to my head, but I would love for everybody to hear it is um, when you're seeking help from an accountant, right? And even for taxes, everybody wants to pay less in taxes, but is, should that be your goal? So like we talked about, if you're trying to buy a house, right? If you're taking all of the deductions, right? When you take those deductions, you decrease from your income, right? So in order to pay less in taxes, you get to close to zero as you can with your income. But when you do that, it looks like you made no money, right? So sometimes when you're in a state of growing, if there's something that you need to do, you need to be able to have an accountant that can see a bigger picture from you, not just what you think you're trying to do right now, but really be able to break down, you know, what you need to do to help you meet your goals. You don't have to write off every single thing. If you want that house, you cannot say you made $10,000, but you really made 90. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> that, 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 <laughs> that income that they see after those expenses is what matters, not before, right? So you need to be able to talk to someone, not just a tax preparer, Shout out to the tax preparers out there. But you don't want to go to someone that's just going to talk to you once a year. They don't know your goals. They don't know your business or what you're trying to do. You can't prepare everybody taxes the same. You know, so that's a very, I hear everybody saying that they want to pay at least amount of taxes. And even for, um, you know, the, um, the SBA right now, Small Business Association, is um, giving out PPP loans, the Payment Protection Program. I've actually reached out to all of my clients that qualify and most of them don't even know that they qualify for this free money. But guess what? When you filed taxes in 2019, let's say you say, you know, I'm gonna write off everything. And then it looks like you took a negative because you didn't want to, you know, guess what? Now you're not even eligible for that free money. I mean, my clients are being eligible for like $5,000, $10,000, $15,000. And it's forgivable if you use the money for the right things. But if you didn't file your taxes properly, or maybe you did it yourself and you just kind of tweak some numbers, a lot of people do that too, kind of just tweak some numbers to not owe, that can benefit you from receiving money from the government. So, so yeah, I would, I want to throw that out right now. If you're listening, um, definitely when it comes to grants, when it comes to government money, anything like that, you really want to make sure that your financials reflect what your business is actually doing financial wellness. I wanted to touch on something that really came to mind as you were speaking about that with the taxes for new professionals or, or professionals that are seeking to get right. How would you advise them to go about pricing their services? To be quite honest with you, I've seen, and I say locticians because for some reason I like attract locticians. I don't know what it is, but I see locticians that do, you know, a basic wash retwist style for a hundred. But I see some that have like a VIP service. Like if you want to be with me, then you got to pay this monthly fee. So for one, there's a monthly fee to even get to the calendar before everybody else. And then you pay, so you can end up paying like 225. But most people will not pay to, I'm not going to say most people, some people don't find the value in paying the 225. So I would say price on what you think your value is and what you're actually giving to your clients. Don't necessarily worry about the tax aspect. To be quite honest, I think all stylists should have somebody else do their taxes only because that's not your lane. And that's okay. Some locticians don't do color. That's fine. That's not your lane. Be great in what you do. So again, seek the help, pay the money, don't be cheap. Also, you get what you pay for, just like hair products, right? It's the difference. We know you get what you pay for. You find somebody to do your taxes for a hundred dollars, you're gonna get that. Now, you know, prices vary depending on, but what I can say is find somebody that knows your industry and your business. The biggest thing about that is they know what the, in, in their mind, right? So when clients come to me, I already know that they're missing something. Like they can give me what they think their numbers are, 
but I know what they do. I know the products that they use. I know the services that they offer. So I can say, okay, what about this? Did you do this this year? Oh man, I didn't even think about that. Even the fees that Vagaro charges, right? You can write that off. Like a lot of people are like, oh, I use Zelle. I use Cash App because there are no fees. That's not the most secure way, but you can write off those point of sale processing fees. You know, so there's just a lot of things you want to find somebody that is able to help and guide you that knows your industry. Don't just go to just anybody and don't think that there's like a lot of people say, well, there's I don't know where to go. I don't know, you know, what resources I have. We're in the world of social media. You can find somebody. This may take a little bit, a little bit of time, but find somebody, interview them like you were hiring for your shop. Interview them. Get that free consultation. Talk to them. This is what I need. You know, how can you help serve me? You can ask them that. I appreciate you bringing that up because it, it empowers people to, you know, even look for the language to what questions should I ask a tax professional? What questions should I look for in an accountant? You know, so it gives people things to think about. Um, something that kind of like confused me a little bit or something that I need clarity around is, are you saying that stylists can manage their bookkeeping with something like a QuickBooks and seek a tax professional to like, I guess, pay all of that, pay all the taxes on all the bookkeeping they've been doing for the year at the end of the year? Or do you find it more beneficial to have an accountant also manage the bookkeeping and then hire somebody else that's doing the taxes? Like, are these all separate pieces or is it one piece? Like, what is the financial, what is the best, what is an ideal financial picture for a stylist? So again, it just depends on where you're at, right? So let's say if um, if you were using QuickBooks and you're saying, you know what, I think this is something that I can manage because you know, when you first start your business, that's different from when you've been in business and have a big clientele. So you may have the extra time to seek the knowledge to figure out how to navigate QuickBooks. They have people out there and I offer this as well. It's called QuickBooks Setup. So if you're like, you know what? I know I need QuickBooks, but I'm not at the point where I'm ready to pay somebody on a monthly basis. You have people like me out there to set it up for you and to teach you how to do it. So you can do it yourself the right way. Um, When it comes to an accountant, so this is the thing, when you are categorizing your transactions, so you have to categorize your transactions and then you have to actually reconcile your bank account, right? Every month. On top of that, within QuickBooks, there are financial reports that you can create. So there's certain financial reports that you need to know what they mean. You need to know what a profit and loss statement is. You need to know what the balance sheet means to your business and you need to know what a cash flow statement is. So would you really even, do you see what I'm saying? Seek, long story short, seek the help. And when you talk to the help, right? When you seek the guidance, they can talk to you and see where you're at, see what you need. So again, if you're not ready to pay somebody every month, you have people like me that can help set it up. You can do a Zoom call, send you videos, whatever works for you or whatever you know kind of system they have to uh, basically show you how to do it yourself show you how to run the reports. These are what the reports mean. But as you start growing, you'll have more transactions. You'll have more complex situations like adding retail and adding other stylists that may be, you know, commission, maybe uh, a mix of like commission. I see a lot of people do a mix. Long story short, your accountant can help you with whatever you need. It just depends on where you're at, right? I will always recommend the person who does your bookkeeping if you are going to have somebody doing it for you, should be the person that's doing your taxes. It's so much easier. My clients who I've done bookkeeping for for 2020, they don't have to give me anything. Like just imagine just sliding in the tax season. You know what I'm saying? Like you don't even have to do anything. Like literally my clients' returns are already done. Returns for one can't even be submitted to the IRS until February 12th this year. But they're already done because the year is over, right? They didn't have to prepare anything because we did it throughout the year. 
even if the year is over, if you're like, you know what? I made a lot of money this year and I don't know where I'm at. Guess what? There's something called a QuickBooks cleanup where you can hire someone like myself to do bookkeeping for the whole year. And we can do it much faster. We can do it in a matter of days. You see what I'm saying? So if you're at, for instance, it's tax time, you know you made more money and you're like, I'm lost and I don't know what to do. Hire somebody to do a QuickBooks cleanup for you from January 1st to December 31st. They'll do everything for you so that when your taxes are done, it's done the right way. You have a clear reflection on what came in and what went out. So I would definitely recommend for that person to be the same person and to have knowledge in the industry that you're in. Great advice. Thank you so much, Brianna. This was so helpful. And everybody that's listening, if you can hear the sound of my voice right now, get your finances together. It makes everything so much better. You have clarity, you feel better, you walk better, you're earning more, like you need to do this. Thank you so much for investing the time into yourself by listening to this episode. You can connect with Brianna for accounting services at thebeautybizcfo.com. I'll also share it in the show notes. And again, if you learned anything from this episode or were inspired by anything that was shared today, please consider returning the support in one of three ways. You can easily share this episode with a friend through text or take a screenshot and share it on Instagram. Don't forget to tag at Salon Frequency and Brianna at the Beauty Biz CFO so that we can see and repost your support. The second way you can send some encouraging vibes is by posting a five-star rating and review of the podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. If you've never done that before, no worries. Just click the link in the show notes for a quick how-to video. It really, truly helps this podcast grow when you post reviews. And you know we're trying to hit half a million downloads this year. So please share. But also, one of the easiest ways for you to return to love is by visiting salonfrequency.com to join the vibe.